0: Coming up on today's show, Carrie Pack is here as part of the GRL blog tour, Lisa has got some books to talk about, and we've got a huge giveaway to unveil. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now... Here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and
1: Will Kanaus. Welcome to episode 37 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction
0: Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. We have got a big, jam-packed episode, so let's get right to it. Woohoo! You have got some publishing news, don't you? I do. I have lots this week, so... <laughs> Uh, the, the, the exciting, the most exciting that
1: made me do the happy dance on Friday night was Codename Winger number one, Tracker Hacker, is now under contract with Harmony, Inc. Uh, and due out fall of 2017. Awesome. Very excited about that. Mm
0: hmm
1: As well you should be. Yeah. Because like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even really have words. I mean, this, to me, is as big as the first contract I signed with Hat Trick number one. How so? It's... It's a different kind of book than I ever considered mm-hmm. writing. It's not It's not gay romance. True. Yeah. Um, and it's not anything I ever tried before because it's got this whole, like, action-adventure kind of spy, kind of mm-hmm. secret agent kind of thing going on, and I didn't quite know I had that in me. And yet it was a total blast to write, uh, and I, I'm super psyched that uh, it actually has a contract now. And I, I was talking to you about it the other day, and it's... You know, by the time it comes out, it'll have been four years from idea, initial idea, which happened sitting around the fire pit at GRL in Chicago, uh, which is almost two years ago now, um, mm-hmm. sitting with uh, Z.A. Maxfield and Claire London chit-chatting about career and series and this and that, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody had a Kim Possible ringtone at that too, which kind of fed into where this came from. And uh, we, I pitched it GRL in San Diego. So a year down the line, uh, it got pitched. And you know now we sit here with it under contract. And uh, when we get to GRL in 2017, it'll be out just around that time.
0: Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Very good news. Yeah. You also have some other uh, pertinent publishing tidbits. Tidbits, yes. <laughs> and,
1: and, th- and this one is, is more somber, but just as important um, as the first one. Uh, JMS Books is one of a number of publishers who are putting together anthologies uh, to benefit uh, the victims of the shooting in Orlando last week. Uh, I am putting together a story. I've actually finished writing the first draft of the story uh, that is still entitled. Uh, but it centers, it uses the hat trick characters. So it's Simon, it's Alex, it's the Rainbow High hockey team kind of dealing with the shooting um, in their world. Um the pre-order's up for this book already. It's called Love is Proud. Uh, it's uh, up for, up, mm, I got all tongue-tugged there for a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's up for pre-order on the JMS site. We will link to that pre-order in the show notes. Uh, all the proceeds for this particular volume will go to Equality Florida's uh, GoFundMe that they've got going for the victims and families of the nightclub shooting. So it's a small thing to do to help, you know, help out the, the people most affected by that shooting. Good thing. Yes, very good thing. And uh, as we find other anthologies that are coming out, we'll try to give them a shout-out here so people can link up to those as well. Uh, The other bit of news uh, that we talked about for the last couple episodes is that Love's Opening Night has been resubmitted. I finished the expansion on that and got it all squared away last week, too. Uh, So I've resubmitted it, hoping to get it in as a novella, since it didn't quite fit the anthology that was being put together. So that is my writing news.
0: Lots of good news. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very happy about all those things. So, do you want to ramble on about the Tony Awards? At least for a little bit. Um, (laughs) I thought that was the best Tony broadcast in
0: years. Hands down, I agree with you. It was really a a really um, entertaining show. I personally have given up on award shows a long, long time ago because they're so fucking boring. They're not entertaining at all. Um, and if anything, you know, does happen that, you know, you know, accidentally is entertaining, that two minute clip is going to end up on social media anyway. So I don't need to waste four hours of my life watching, you know, yeah. any show live. But having said that, uh, we watched almost the entirety of the Tony Awards for the first time in several years. Yeah, uh, we had um, And that's even we yeah. started
1: watching it live Sunday night. Mm hmm. And then even though we had the rest of it on DVR, we didn't skip that much. Nope, we didn't. Um, of the Of the telecast, James Corden was an awesome host. Very, very good. Uh, he started it off very well with the cold opening uh, to discuss Orlando a little bit. And went right on there into a very well-balanced show, I thought. This was also the first time in years that I thought every performance highlighted the show and made me want to go see it. So often in the last few years, they've done numbers, even from shows that I've seen. (laughs) And I look at it and go, that's the best thing you could put in your four minutes on the national stage. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. But here, across the board, I wanted to see all those shows. And the particular miss for me of the season was not going to Bright Star. Their clip was awesome, and I'm sorry they closed. Uh, But I will be picking up the soundtrack, I think. Uh, particular shout outs uh, in terms of speeches to Lin-Manuel Miranda. I thought his his speech for when he won best score where he not only wrote the sonnet for his wife but also kind of wrapped Orlando into it was truly heartfelt. And Frank Langella too just really did a nice mm-hmm. speech. Um, and all the performances. Oh my God. Waitress was awesome. Jesse Mueller and Sarah Bareilles both singing that song. So good. Uh... It's all over YouTube, so I don't even need to necessarily put it in the show notes. The two speeches I am going to put in the show notes for people to see, but uh, CBS has a great playlist too
0: that I might link up to of several of the performances.
1: Mm-hmm. Anything stick out for you in particular,
0: performance-wise? Um, I don't know. Like I said, I think um, more than more than any other awards show, the it's in it's important for the Tonys to be entertaining because um it's essentially a 3 hour commercial for broadway uh and it needs to uh pull people from the midwest to come to new york and put butts in seats mm-hmm. that is its uh primary purpose yeah. <laughs> that's what the broadcast is supposed to do and i think it uh definitely did that this year yeah. um we had the pleasure of seeing several of the nominated shows mhm um, this past uh, spring when we went to New York. Uh, and uh, like, like we said in our uh, Broadway New York wrap-up show where we kind of went on and on about everything that we saw, uh, we loved everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Tony Awards was really, really good, and I think that's reflective of uh, what happened this past season. There was a, a dearth of really amazing stuff to go see and experience. No, there was an abundance. An abundance? A uh, dearth implies I, there wasn't anything. Oh, see, I was trying to use a fancy word <laughs> and I screwed it up. Sorry. There was an abundance of things. There was an abundance. Things. You're right, an abundance. So, uh, yeah. Um, if you can, get to New York and see some of these amazing shows. Um, we will certainly probably never in our lifetimes ever have the chance to see Hamilton in New York. Um, it's far too expensive. Um, if you're... I know of at least somebody who got decent, who got face value (laughs) tickets the day they went on sale, the the latest block went on sale. That's like literally like winning the lottery. You either have to be a celebrity or a millionaire to get into Hamilton right now. Um, we might be able to go see it when it comes... San Francisco. To San Francisco when the tour begins. So maybe we'll snag a ticket then. Yeah. Anyway. We still have the same Book of Mormon, either. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, we haven't seen that one, either. But, yeah. Yeah, good job, Tonys. Yeah. (laughs) Time now for the GRL Guest Author Spotlight.
1: We're happy to welcome Carrie Pack to the podcast as part of the official 2016 GRL blog tour. Carrie is a part-time college professor and author of Designs on You and In the Present Tense. Carrie lives in Florida, which she fondly calls America's wang, with her husband and four cats, and she's currently working on her next novel. Thanks for being with us, Carrie.
2: Oh, thanks, I'm glad to be here.
1: So tell us about your latest In the Present Tense and what its inspirations were.
2: Sure, um, I, this is a time travel adventure, kind of, um, not kind of, it is, um, about a man named Miles who um, wakes up to find that he is married to a woman, and in his mind, he's gay, so he's like, what the heck has happened in my life? And um, finds out, you know, that, no, he's bisexual. He's been married to this woman for a over, little over a year, and um, this is how he finds out he's been time traveling. His wife tells him, "No, this is a thing that happens to you. This must be the first time that you're remembering it or whatever." And so kind of the story progresses from there. Meanwhile, his younger self, who's about 17, is obsessed with getting back together with an ex-boyfriend. Um, his current self wants to stay married to the wife, um, and then a. kind of evil corporation trying to, you know, get the secret to time travel and everything kind of goes to hell.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Okay. And time travel is very in right now. It's all over (laughs) movies and TV and everything. Do you have a particular favorite time travel story or movie or TV?
2: Wait, let's see if you can see my shirt.
1: Back to the Future. That's a classic.
2: (laughs) Isn't that everybody's favorite?
1: It's certainly I would I would have to imagine among them.
2: <laughs> I just saw a list the other day, and I was like, it was ranking like I think like forty one time travel movies or something, and I disagreed with almost all of them. But Back to the Future was at the top, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll tolerate this list.
1: Okay, and it's certainly popular. At least you know you've got the CW shows that have like Legends of Tomorrow and the Flash and stuff all doing their time travel stuff.
2: Oh, the Flash has been out of control with the time travel, like just everywhere which I love, but (laughs) it's a little all over the place. Um, But I love that show. I'm I'm big into, I mean, I love all time travel. Like, honestly, even something like Outlander, which predominantly ends up with the main character in, you know, 1800 Scotland. Um, You know, still, there's a time travel element to it. So I'm like, okay, I'm
3: sold.
1: (laughs) What, did you have to do special research? Or did you make up your own time travel rules?
2: Um, A little of both. Uh, I based, um, my main character, his condition is based in a dissociative disorder. So it's a little bit like um, dissociative identity disorder, where instead of having alternate personalities, he shifts in time. Um, So I tied it very closely to that. Personally, I like science fiction and time travel better when it's rooted in reality. It makes more sense to me. I can suspend disbelief where I need to when there are those connections to real things. Um, But it's also – there's an explanation for it kind of late in the book, and this might be spoilery, so – Fair warning, um, but there is a little bit of an explanation where it is tied to the theory of relativity, where the closer you travel to the speed of light, you know, you're going to travel in time, and um, that's kind of how it gets explained to him as to why he can his brain synapses fire that fast. Which, who knows if that would even be plausible? That's my playing with science. There's the fiction and science fiction, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, uh, I I used a little bit of both, but I did a lot of research into uh, mental illness because. If you're going to tie something to a very real condition, you have to consider the people that have those conditions. I mean, there's another character who time travels through her schizophrenia and, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful to people who live with that very real mental illness every day.
1: How did you decide in the long run that you'd struck the right balance there between your sci-fi side and the presenting actual mental illness appropriately?
2: Oh, um, you know, I don't know that I'm hundred percent sure that I did. I hope that I did. Um I've I've gotten some good reception on that part. Um personally, I you know, I have depression and anxiety, so I feel like I have a little bit of, of a place to come to from from that where I can say I know there's a stigma behind mental illness. I know that people are unwilling to talk about it. And you know, there's a conversation a couple characters have where um, Miles's ex-boyfriend actually talks to his wife and says, "You know, are you going to you know a therapist or anything? Is there any, you know because this has got to be horrible, horribly traumatic on you." Um, you know, nearly every character in this book has some period of mental illness, whether it's a brief period of of depression or you know a longer period of depression and anxiety, all the way up to like I said, schizophrenia. Um, So I hope I got the balance right. Um, but I, like I said, I was trying to really be respectful and there's a lot of discussion about, you know, it's okay to seek treatment. You should seek treatment. This is an illness. It's okay to accept medication and and therapy and, you know, whatever combination of that's going to work for you. Of course, there are some people that really maybe don't have the um, mentally ill character's best interest at heart and manipulate that a little, but You know, it's, it's fiction. You got to have a little bit of leeway there. You can't be towing that line all the time.
1: Sure. Now you had a personal revelation writing this novel as well, right?
2: I did. Um, I have, since I was an adolescent, felt attracted to women and, but I've exclusively dated, I'm married to a man um and for so for a long time i remember as a as an adolescent actually going i'm not a lesbian i don't i know i'm attracted to boys what's going on and um I think that there's so much talk right now about bi-erasure, it just kind of came to a head for me where I thought, you know, I want to write a bisexual character. I want to explore this because these are, this is a marginalized group, and in, in, even within the LGBT community sometimes, because there's that you're either not gay enough or not straight enough, or, you know, you don't really fit into either. And as I'm exploring that, it occurs to me that this is an identity that I can claim. Um, you know, I mean, I could say I've been bisexual since I was in middle school, but, I wasn't able to label it that until I wrote this and went, it's okay to say that if that's how you identify, even if I've never been in a relationship with a woman, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the revelation that it was, you know, I knew I had that attraction. I knew I, my sexuality was more fluid. I wasn't, you know, extreme on, you know, I wasn't completely straight on the Kinsey scale. Uh, if you want to use that as a framework, but, um, that, you know, I knew that I wasn't, but I didn't have a way to quantify it because I, am I a fraud if I haven't, ha- if I haven't kissed, well, I have kissed women, but if I haven't been in a relationship with a woman or I haven't had sex with a woman, does that erase that part of me? And it doesn't, it doesn't. And to be able to say that I am bisexual and be okay with that was very freeing, but it's still hard to say.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Did you as you were writing did it come out like while you were plotting it or just in the general writing of it or
2: um a little of both um some of it was actually after the fact you know I was talking to people about writing a bisexual character and realized you know they would say to me you know you don't have to have been in a relationship with a woman you know Um, but while writing it, there is very much a connection with the main character, Miles, who in high school is pretty much just attracted to guys. You know, he thinks he's gay. He really does. He's just, because he hasn't really met a woman that he is attracted to yet. He's not really into that. He's he's just obsessed with his current boyfriend, which if you read the book, you'd see he's just obsessed, um, in a good way. But, um... But, you know, doesn't really figure it out until later when he's in college and he he meets a girl that's just kind of his – Just he needs a casual relationship and she's just a good friend who he happens to start seeing and realizes that, you know, he, he might be a little more attracted to men but that he still, you know, has, has a connection to women. And then, of course, he gets married and, and you know, obviously that that solidifies it for him. But, yeah, it was definitely – that was my experience. You know, I definitely have more of an attraction to men. Um, but man, I can stare at a woman and <laughs> be just as attracted, you know, if it's the right woman. So I, you know, I think that that was definitely, um, happened to me while I was writing. I realized that a little bit more about myself.
1: Interesting. Well, that's awesome that you, that you were able to get that. I'm going to have to pick up this book because I'm totally intrigued now between the time travel, the different characters and yeah. everything going on I, in it.
2: Good. Yay. That's what that's, I'm hoping.
1: So what's coming up next for you?
2: Um, I'm currently working on, I'm total, I'm such a genre jumper. It's ridiculous. I, I'm driving my uh, publisher crazy. Cause they're like, you're, how are you going to get an audience? I'm going to get an audience. I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> no matter what, but I'm that's right. On,
1: Have um, that attitude. That's good.
2: Um, well, you know, and I, there's thematic things in my work. Like I, I always write about finding your true self, you know, that's something for me that I, I have a very strong personality, and so for me, I really work on writing these characters who find a way to be true to themselves under the most, and obviously in this book, under some pretty crazy circumstances. So um, my next book is actually going to be YA, and I'm writing um, about uh, the time period during the Riot Girl movement of the early 90s. Um, kind of my time a little bit I was a little on the young side to really be able to you know get really involved in the punk scene or the riot girl scene but there's a lot of parallel in that culture with what we're seeing in feminism and young women today and um I wanted to write that and now that I've kind of made my revelation about bisexuality I'm writing a teenage bisexual girl so you know she's I'm giving myself I guess a little redemption there
1: (laughs) awesome so what are you looking forward to in Kansas City this year?
2: Um, you know this is gonna be my first year going to gay Ron Lit. Oh, I um i and I managed to eke into that registration because I know it's a hot commodity, so I'm just kind of hoping to you know make some connections and maybe get find some new readers and uh, learn a little more about the industry um Plus, I have family in Missouri, so I'm kinda gonna use it as a vacation to visit some family too. So. Nice,
1: it's a two for one
2: cheating, yeah, yeah.
1: So what's the best way for people to keep up with you?
2: Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's just at Carrie Pack. Um, I'm everywhere, really. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, too. Um, and uh, my website's CarriePack.com. But uh, Twitter's probably the easiest way to find me because it's my name and um, it's pretty, you know, my face with different haircut. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm still there. Um, yeah, so that's probably the easiest way. Okay, awesome.
1: We'll link up to that in the show notes so everybody can find you. And uh, look forward to seeing you in Kansas City.
2: All right. Thanks so much, Jeff.
0: You can follow the GRL blog tour by going to gayromlit.com slash 2016 blog tour.
1: So, we're in the third week of the GRL blog tour here on Big Gay Fiction Podcast, and we've decided to make it a little more exciting. We are now going to be giving away a 7 inch fire tablet that's loaded with books from many of the authors who are going to be on the blog tour on the podcast. And in addition to that, I'm going to throw some of my own books in. And Ethan Day, who will be coming up later in the uh, blog tour, is also going to give us many books from Wild City Press, um, from the authors from that press who will be attending GRL. So this whole thing is now packaged up in a rafflecopter, and you can find the rafflecopter on Episode 37, Show Notes. And it will also give you a link so you can see all the authors who are offering up books to this point. Um, And that will be going on through GRL. So this big giveaway is going to run through Sunday, October 23rd which will be the last day that you can enter. Now, one of the key things that you'll need to enter is the word of the week, which will change up obviously every week and you can plug this in on the Rafflecopter. This week's word is pride. pride. And we'll throw in other words you know, as we keep going. So look for the Rafflecopter every week. You can have multiple entries per week, but you gotta keep coming back and doing stuff and uh, good luck to everybody who, who can enter between
0: now and, you know, basically the end of October. Good luck. Yeah, I think it's really exciting, and it's going to be really fun. Um, so, once again, if you want in on this sweet deal, uh, check out our uh, uh, show notes page. Show notes page for episode thirty-seven. Yeah, I'm having problems with some words. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So go to the the show notes page, Big Bay Big Gay Fiction Podcast. See, yeah, oh, oh, thats goodness, I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Use your words! Okay, so go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com every single week. uh, Check out the show notes. uh, Look for the Rafflecopter giveaway. uh, Enter as many times as you can. Yep, there's a few few ways to enter, and some of them you can do every day. Yeah, and uh, don't forget, this week's word is... Pride. Yeah, so remember that. Check it out. Okay, recently, uh, we got this week's Issue of Entertainment Weekly, and it happens to be their Pride issue. We've got the ladies from the new Ghostbusters movie on the cover. Uh, Inside, there is a section about the Tony Awards, which we just spoke at length about. Yes. And there's also a small section about uh, some of the celebrities and some of the memorials going on uh, in the aftermath of the Orlando shooting. Um, also there is a really lovely pride section uh, about some of the LGBT entertainment offerings coming up uh, in later in the year. Uh, the big main story is the looking movie which is coming up in July Woohoo! it's going to be airing on HBO yep it's gonna be wrapping up the series um, and there's a really nice interview with the three main guys from the show and they talk about their experience. Uh, making the show and making the movie, and what we can expect coming up. Looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good. Also, there's some more stuff about uh, the new season of Drag Race All-Stars. Also, there's a short uh, but informative interview with Dustin Lance Black. Um, He has just, I believe he's just finished uh, shooting When We Rise, the gay rights miniseries that's going to be airing in the fall. So, if you want uh, a little more information about what uh, Dustin Lance Black has been up to, uh, check out this issue of Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, that
1: was a good that was a good issue. And I'm looking forward to that, to his uh, "When We Rise." I think that yeah, it was important anyway, and in the wake of Orlando, I think it's even more important. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So you got me into East Siders. You know, we talked about East Siders a number of episodes ago because yeah. you'd watch season one. Uh, he rewatched season one with me, and then we also watched season two on the DVD. It was a delight. Uh, it's funny. It's dramatic. It's a little poignant in places. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you. I'm glad you found it. What was your take on season two, uh, coming off of season one? Um,
0: <clears throat> I liked season two probably uh, even more than season one. Uh, Jeff and I both really like East Siders a lot. Um, and I think I've mentioned before, it reminds me a lot of looking. Mm-hmm. So, the caveat to our recommendation is uh, if you liked looking, you will probably like East Siders. If you hated looking, uh, you'll probably hate this as well. Um, <laughs> because it deals with a group of friends. Uh, all in their late 20s. They're living in L.A. Uh, and it's really about them making bad life choices and then dealing with the aftermath of those choices and trying to grow up. Uh, very similar to what the guys had to deal with in looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a bunch of uh, really poignant, funny things uh, charming moments in both series i suggest you watch both both of them i think the uh series one kind of ends on kind of a cliffhanger a little bit where you where you don't really know what direction uh the relationship with the two main characters is going to go uh series two picks up um i think a year afterwards Uh, And it follows uh, everyone in the crazy lives that they
1: live. Mm -hmm. I really liked... Is this going to tell me what the episodes were? No, of course not. The episode where uh, they went through the threesomes, I thought was an absolute hysterical episode. Mm -hmm. The way they shot it was so clever. And the way that they just kept cycling through (laughs) these guys as they... As the two main characters kind of work through their relationship issues by going through threesomes. Just everything about that I thought was a hoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's my favorite episode of of the seasons. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed the arc that started with season one and went through the end of season two. If it ends there, I think that's fine. Uh, but if they come back for season three, hey, I'm there. Yeah, so yeah, we enjoyed that. It's, yeah, we'll link up to some show notes for that so you can go find DVDs or streaming of that uh, through whatever format you would want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I came across uh, while we're kind of in the TV phase of things uh, that I found on Playbill yesterday uh, was a, a pilot that's actually going to go up to Series Fest, uh, which is in Denver this coming weekend, so June 23rd through 25th. Uh, this show called Truth Slash Fiction is about high school students who write gay erotic fan fiction about their favorite boy band called Truth. Now, this has several Broadway stars in it. Matt Doyle, uh, who was in War Horse and Book of Mormon. Uh, Daniel Cardino, who was in Newsies. Katie Huffman, who won a Tony for the Producers, is in it. Uh, It's got some original music from a duo who won uh, a Jonathan Larson grant. So there's some good tunes there. Uh, The trailer was a hoot. It's absolutely awesome. You, you've got this girl who's very into the band called Truth. She gets connected to some other fans and ends up in this writing group where what they write is slash about the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's uh, interludes and musical moments that it, it, that looks at that slash as they're mm-hmm. reading it. looked awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we hope that they are a success at Series Fest to not only get the pilot on the air but a series because uh, it looks pretty awesome yeah uh we will link in the show notes to the trailer and their website mm-hmm. so you can keep track of this show and uh just highly recommend it and good luck guys and we've reached out maybe they'll be on the show one day mm-hmm. um so we're, we're talking to them about maybe coming on and being able to talk about that because i know so many of our authors in this genre started with writing slash yeah yeah did you like the trailer all you've done is nod your head. Do you want, I, you want I, Render's small opinion?
0: I, I know. I, I have been nodding my head because <laughs> the only thing we really know about it so far is you know what we've seen in the trailer. Um, so if we do get them on the show, I am really looking forward to talking to them about this project. And hopefully it will get off the ground because it looks... Uh, really funny and charming, and uh, i am we're both very enthusiastic about it yeah. from what little we've seen so far. Absolutely. So, yeah. Check it out in the show notes. I'm sure you'll put a link to it. Yes, yeah. I will. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's also Amazon pilot season. It is. Amazon, every year, puts up their uh, pilots for people to browse and peruse uh, and check out, uh, and then you can vote. And leave comments about what you like or what you don't like. And the most popular ones will eventually, supposedly, go to series. Uh, They just recently launched the new season. And uh, I have checked out uh, one. They don't have very many uh, dramas uh, this year. One of them was The Last Tycoon, which is based on the last novel by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And it was made into a movie, I believe, in 1975, um, starring uh, Robert De Niro. And basically, the show, the book, and the movie were all about the golden age of Hollywood and the main uh, character... A sort of super producer and how he has to navigate the politics and the you know star system in order to get uh, a movie about his dead ex uh well she's his ex-wife because she's dead um (laughs) uh he's trying to get a, a movie about the life of his uh dead wife off the ground uh, but he can't because of the Nazis and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, anyway, the, the reason um, I was interested in this particular pilot was, of course, because of the uh, literary connection, but also because the lead character is played by Matt Bomer. Now, if ever there was a, uh, a modern-day actor who <laughs> was born and has the face to uh play a golden age hollywood star it'd probably be matt yep with that square jaw and those beautiful eyes and that hair that looks amazing when it's all slicked back um he looks amazing he's really good in the pilot i thought the pilot as a whole was okay it was interesting enough to i think set up some storylines that you know could be you know Compelling uh, if it actually goes to series. So, um, check that out on Amazon. It's certainly uh, free to stream if you have Prime. Um, Also, they have a lot of children's shows uh, going in their pilot season. One of which is the remake of Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. uh, The Sid and Marty Croft classic from (laughs) our childhood. From our childhood, (laughs) yeah. So what did you think of Sigmund and the Sea Monsters? I liked it. I have to admit that I have very sketchy
1: memories of Sigmund. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more a Puff and Stuff, Land of the Lost, uh, Woman, and Dinah Girl
0: kid. Who didn't love Woman and Dinah Girl? <laughs> Where's the reboot of that? Ugh. Well, actually they already have. But that was an icky reboot, as I recall. Well, there's a newer reboot. I think it's airing on like Hulu or something. Oh, really? But it's just as icky as the oh, other. That's ones. too bad. So, yeah, just yeah. Anyway. ignore ignore that. We don't need to discuss that. Yeah, let's just think about the original Electric <laughs> Woman. Yes. Where
1: where this reboot is concerned, I thought it, it 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 held together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um the updates were nice. Um I liked I liked everything about it. And I like I think most of all that. Sigmund is still very much in the realm of the Sigmund that I grew up with. They didn't try to turn him into a CGI. They didn't try to turn him into some motion capture
0: thingamabob. No, the 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 uh, animatronic suit that they use is uh, really adorable, mm-hmm. uh, and it does pay homage to the original Sigmund design. Uh, it's a super, it's super cute kids show. Yeah, so. Yeah, I could see it on easily on the Disney Channel um, mm-hmm. in
1: terms of how it looks and how it, especially the town they put it in. The town they put it in reminded remind me a lot of where uh, Austin and Alley is for oh, some reason. I just okay. thought that town, the towns oh, okay. looked similar to me. So. Uh, but yeah, good job to Amazon for that. And we'll see if it goes to series. What would you think?
0: I thought it was cute. Um, yeah. I don't,
1: I don't really know what else to say about it. Yeah. I did like, even though I ha- I, I don't didn't recognize him right off the Johnny Whitaker, did have a cameo. Yes, he does. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't recognize him anymore. <laughs> or at least I didn't. Uh, yeah. So good job, Amazon. And uh, if you like those, we'll link to those in the show notes so people can go find them and watch them if they've got uh, Prime. Mm-hmm. So now uh, we're going to go talk to Lisa from the novel approach. She's got five books to talk to us about.
0: Ooh.
1: Exciting. So we're welcoming back Lisa from The Novel Approach today to talk about some things that she's been reading and is excited about. Hi, Lisa.
3: Hi. How are you, Jeff? Doing good,
1: thanks. How are you?
3: I'm having a great summer so far. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So what's on your reading list these days?
3: Oh, quite a few things, actually. Um, I'll start out things that I've already read for the month. Um, I will try not to look at my notes. <laughs> I have a couple that are uh, just really sweet and fun contemporary romances kind of uh, following along with a couple of different tropes that we see quite a bit in in, uh, contemporary romance. One of them is a character with disabilities, um, R.J. Scott's boy band, and it's all uh, revolving around kind of uh, the uh, behind the scenes of a reality television show set in Great Britain um, called sing uk and uh it's it's about this uh a group of guys who are this close to being voted off of the show but the producers of the show decide to turn them into a boy band (laughs) and and the the title is boy b-a-n-n-e-d which was kind of a cute play on the on the words but um yeah so it's about uh the this uh the lead singer or the kind of uh lead guitarist, lead singer of, of the group. Uh his name is Corey and he is on the autism spectrum. And another lead uh I guess probably Angel is more the lead singer than Corey is. Corey's uh more the lead guitarist and and uh Angel is kind of uh he men you know he's a, he's a little more uh a little more flamboyantly uh openly sexual uh uh his sexuality is he doesn't hide you know he does, he wears everything on his sleeves and and uh so it's kind of a, a story about it's a really a, a hopeful story because you don't uh, you don't expect this this boy with uh Aspergers or what was what was categorized as Aspergers at, at the time um you know, being able to to find love, and I think it was a really, really hopeful story. I don't know if you know R. J. Scott's son is on the autism spectrum, uh-huh. so I think that this was kind of uh, this was kind of a mother's hope kind of, of story where you know she gets to write the happy ending that she's not altogether sure her son is going to get in real life. so it was it was a really neat story. Um, the other one is is a second chance at love story that I just read by Annabelle Jacobs and it's called uh, always another side so there's all always... so uh, it, it's a story of two two older men uh, 40 late 30s 36 40 um, who one of one of the men is just out of a long-term relationship where he was just completely betrayed um, by his by his his partner, and the younger man is uh, just kind of an unlucky at love kind of guy, uh, has never really found that connection with someone, jumps into everything just heart first, um, and, and just seems to always get burned. And so this is a story about their coming together and uh, resisting, especially especially the, the older character uh, who's just ended his 16-year his relationship, uh, very Himself back up to that. Um, and the, the great thing about this book, the thing that I loved about this book, where it might be a, a kind of a category romance sort of book, is that uh, Annabelle Jacobs uses. Dialogue a lot to tell this story. There is no, you know, no big misunderstandings. These people talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. So it's really, uh, I think I said in my reunion or my uh, my review, uh, Hallelujah for the grown ups in this book. You know, they don't stomp their foot and go storming off because they think something they think think something has happened, or you know, they 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 don't know how to how to work through that. So instead of Talking about it, they just storm off and and uh, and lock the other person out. So it was really good. And then that and then they're really uh there is so so the big secret in this book is is where some of the conflict really comes in. It's definitely not uh, it, it's not an easy fluff romance. There's definitely still some some work through, but they work through it together. So so that was a really really good one. I enjoyed that a lot. That was that was an awesome one.
1: Nice. I, I like how you talked about getting the adults in there so they talk to each other. I like that. I'm not a big fan of the misunderstanding
3: usually. No, no, neither am I. That's probably one of one of my least uh, least favorite things to to read is is uh, the lack of communication because. You know, you and I both know. It. If you're going to be in a long-term relationship, you've got to be able to talk, right? right so, right. so there is a there's a lot of a lot of discussion and and uh, you know some soul searching. They they do a little bit of soul searching, but it's not it's not because. They have misconstrued something or they've seen something that they are, you know, interpreting another way or they're uh, they've eavesdropped and heard something that they shouldn't have overheard. And so they're jumping to conclusions. This was it was it was true confession time process what was going on. On, and then they come back together and it was really, it was a neat, neat story. I just really I love Annabelle Jacobs anyway. She's she's really uh she's one of one of my favorite go-to authors uh for not only contemporary, but she's got a great uh, a great fantasy series, um, the Torsier series from Dream Center Press, which is you know, dragons and just yeah, and and and, and uh, yeah, so it's it's she's a she's a great, uh, great author. Great author. So yeah, so that was another great one. So the uh, the next book that I'm really excited about that I just finished this morning is coming up on Tuesday, June 14th. Is Marie Sexton's "Damned If You Do" um, comes out from Sowin Press on on uh, Tuesday, as I said, and it's uh, it's a Faustian kind of a take. You know, it, that's always kind of a popular uh, popular take on on uh, striking striking a bargain with the devil. You know, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. So she has taken it to, to uh, kind of a different level though in that you end up having sympathy for the devil. Okay. So yeah, so it, it was a fun story um, you know the devil is, uh, is uh, behind quota on souls so he's, uh, he's, he's um, officially on notice that uh, he needs to, needs to pick it up and so he's looking for one perfect soul. Um, he, he he doesn't want to waste his time on on a few you know piddly souls here and there. He wants the soul, the one that's just going to put him into the upper tier um, of of all of amongst all of the devils. There are devils, and then of course there's Satan. Right. You know, so so he's he's one of the devils, and uh, the the hell that she created is a, is a lot of fun. Uh, apparently, Satan is kind of a slumlord, so. <laughs> So uh, they live in tenements and, 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 uh, uh, marie's version of hell is uh you know uh, sirens all night long and kids crying even though there are no children in hell and uh, roosters crowing and dogs barking even though, though, though there are no animals in hell <laughs> so it's just all of these little naggy things that you could think of you know if you're laying there in bed at night and there's all, all this ambient noise going on that uh, that that's her version of hell it's kind of fun and uh so yeah so this is a, this is the the uh bargaining with the devil and and uh, the main character finding finding the one perfect soul that he wants to win that that's going to uh, bring him uh, all the glory and uh, and so uh, yeah so then the twist is then uh, you start kind of uh, feeling a little bit sorry for for this character and and uh, and the and the character uh, who he he has has targeted. Has an interesting and equally interesting story, um, you know. Not uh, everything isn't what it seems, and so it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Angels and demons, and and uh, twists and turns, and so that was a really fun one. I enjoyed that. I was just I was telling got like five hours of sleep last night because I couldn't put it down. And then I woke up at five o'clock this morning and I was reading it like crazy because it was really, it was, it was good. And it, it, uh, it brought, uh, brought some feels to my eyes in the form of tears too. So that was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really, uh, moving little story.
1: Nice. You've been reading some good stuff there.
3: Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. So that was the good one. Uh, and, uh, Well, I'll just, uh, I'll move into, I'll go by date order again. The next one, I think that I won't be reading this one for review because I I read it uh, as a beta reader. But I think a lot of folks are going to be really excited about June 22nd, Reese Ford's Absinthe of Malice. So um, that one's coming out, the the Sinners Gin boys are are Crossroads Gin, and they're back on the road, Uh, Mickey and Damie and Forrest and Rafe are are out on the road, and this one's, uh, they should have called it the Murphy's Law Tour, because if anything could go wrong, it did. (laughs) Um, you know, which is which is pretty typical with uh, with this particular uh, group of guys. You know, they uh, you know it's it's mayhem and shenanigans and and uh, things things happening that are out of their control because uh, that's just the kind of world that Reese Ford likes to create. You know, just uh, throw in a little mayhem there and everything will be okay. A little mystery, but uh, yeah, this is kind of a fun treat because it's it's all for couples. From the series oh, nice. okay. uh, together, so this is Mickey and Kane and Damien Shun and uh, Forrest and, and Connor and then Rafe and Quinn, and so you get little snippets with each of the couples along the way as as they're touring, as the band is, uh, you know, they're they're hopping in their van and they're touring from venue to venue, bar to bar, you know. But uh, yeah, so I think folks are going to be really excited uh, to get to get hold of that one, and that's. Uh, that's, uh, not the last book in the series, but the series is getting ready to wrap up with the next, with the next book. So yeah, that's a, it was, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Folks are going to love that. Seeing awesome. what the boys are up to. Yeah. And, uh, then June 30th, we ended, we ended la- the last conversation we had with S. Hunter Nisbet's, uh, What Boys Are Made Of. And I was only about halfway through that book at the time and ended up finishing it and just loved it. I was just blown away by this, this post-apocalyptic world that she's created. Um, Appalachia post-Second Civil War, as I would said, uh, where the United States has just kind of been um, taken back to an age where you know probably early nineteenth century ish you know there's no uh no electronics no you know uh, they do have automobiles but it's it's very uh very basic very simple life uh or I shouldn't say a simple life it's a very difficult life but everything uh around them is 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 very basic you know uh um, where the, the, there just aren't a lot of modern conveniences, so uh, it's the, the Simon Flaherty is is the the main character in this one, and he is uh, he's a bare knuckle fighter. You know, he's he's uh, he's, he's a sixteen year old boy who had to grow up real fast. So you know, he's a, he uh, has to do what he has to do, kind of kind of thing, and he he uh, it, it struggles a lot. With his who he is and his uh, relationship with an, another uh, character in the book who is uh, kind of his antagonist. Um, this this boy is is definitely Simon's. He's a little bit of his Achilles heel too. You know, they, it's it's just a really uh, complex relationship between these two boys. They they can't resist each other. But they also don't like each other very much, you know. So the the next book, The Mercy of Men, comes out June thirtieth, and this is it's six years later. So I was I, I haven't started reading it yet, but I'm I'm interested to see uh, if I can figure out why why the big time gap uh, between between the last book and this one, if if it was. Uh, if it was a situation where it was a more interesting story to tell, with those six years of experience now behind them, they have moved to a new city, um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if I can figure out why there was a six year gap. You know, uh, so that should be that should be really good. obviously it's still going to be kind of a kind of a raw kind of an edgy uh, work. Going into a bigger city now too, which you know it's certainly not uh, not a Chicago or a New York or an LA sort of city, but it was uh, very rural where they where they were, and so now they've uh, now it's survival of the fittest in the city. So it's going to be interesting to see where the author where the author takes that one. Cool. So yeah, I'm excited Hopefully about that. By the that.
1: time we talk to you again, you'll have finished that one and can tell us about it.
3: Yeah, exactly. I I am planning on devouring it. I am. I've got one one more one more book ahead of it. One more book ahead of it, but uh yeah, I'm definitely ready to ready to get into that one because it was such a fascinating world. And again, you know, I'm a I'm. I'm not. I'm. uh, It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Kind of reader. I love that. You know that the. I'm I'm not much of a a a romance reader when it comes down to it. Although I do love a good romance every so often. I'm more. uh, I I kind of like these uh, psychological uh, horror kind of. Even not the blood and guts, but the but the horrifying idea. Of some things you know that we take for granted, suddenly being taken away from us and uh, and and how would you survive, and what would you do, and how would you cope if if suddenly your your life was being lived in an atmosphere was reminiscent of you know when your grandparents were or even great grandparents you know were trying to survive off the land and uh, and and you get this sort of a uh, political dynamic that's that's very much uh, a sort of a, a tyranny. Um, uh, it's 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 very much that I have all of the power and and I will protect you if if you pay me to you know to protect you. Kind of uh, almost a a mafia ish kind of kind of hierarchy in in that it, whoever's the most brutal is the winner kind of thing, you know, so it's, uh, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Scary, but fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Fun. It's fun. Yeah. Fun to read about these characters, but I'm so glad it's not, not real kind of thing. So right. yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot of fun.
1: Well, we will link up to all those books in the show notes as well, of course, to the novel approach website. And uh, we thank you so much for being with us again. We'll
0: see you in a few weeks.
3: Good. Thank you. It's great to be here again.
0: Thank you to Lisa for stopping by the podcast. Now, if you'd like to uh, know more about those books that she recommended, uh, we do have links, of course, on the show notes page at biggayfictionpodcast.com. So be sure and check that out. Also on the show notes page, you can always uh, leave recommendations Uh, If there's something really amazing that you've read recently and want to spread the love (laughs) and uh, tell some of our listeners about, uh, do so. Leave a comment on the show notes page. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I think that wraps up for this week. Uh, Coming up next
1: week on episode 38, we'll have Tally Spencer here as part of the GRL blog tour. Plus Joe Okonkwo will be here to talk about his debut novel, Jazz Moon. And Joyfully Jay will be here,
0: too, with some books to talk about. Awesome. Action-packed. Well, maybe not action-packed, but Im- information and value- value-packed episodes. Value-packed. That's, That's value-packed.
1: awesome. That's awesome. to you. Okay. Okay. So, have a great first week of summer, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show, and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit biggayfictionpodcast.com.